0: All right. Hello, my friends. This is Mark Pantano, and thank you for listening to Declaring Liberty, the podcast where the Constitution matters, we take the issue seriously, and we don't participate in the stupid-ass groupthink that dominates our politics. You know, groupthink is not just a phenomenon on the left. We have our own version of groupthink on the right. Now, today is, what is today? Tuesday, September 24th. And if I were participating in the groupthink on the right, then I would be coming to the podcast today and talking to you about Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden and how that's the real scandal that we should be focused on and blah, 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 blah. I don't care about any of it. And I'm getting sick and tired of all of it, to be quite frank with you. We are, uh, boy, we're we're approaching, approaching three years in to the Trump presidency. Trump's election was hugely important. We had suffered so much under Barack Obama, the direction of the country, His attempt to fundamentally transform the United States, his effort to do so was so successful that we really were one presidency away from really fulfilling his fundamental transformation. If Hillary Clinton had won and we got four or eight more years of what Barack Obama was doing, man this country would have been effectively over. We would be so far down the path of socialism and totalitarianism that the road back would be nearly impossible. So Trump's win was so important because it put an end to that and then it gave us an opportunity to start turning things around. But of course that opportunity has been almost completely blown. I know I'm supposed to come on here and tell you uh, that I'm sick of all this winning. Oh, there's so much winning. Well, in truth, there's really very little winning at all. Not on the issues. There certainly isn't any winning. If, uh, if, we, deci- if we define winning by, you know, owning the libs on Twitter, then, yeah, well, wow, we're really winning. But if you actually care about the issues in the future of the country, especially the big, important issues that really are going to have a fundamental impact on our sustainability as a republic, then there's not a whole hell of a lot of winning at all. I mean, the big issues, the massive debt that is right now holding back this economy, I've told you. Um, recently several times that you know we're supposed to be celebrating this economy of course the only thing we ever hear with respect to this economy being so great is the unemployment rate which is is terrific it's historically low but then we have to go along with that historically low unemployment rate an absolutely pathetic economic growth rate we are hovering around two percent plus or minus now if we are in the approaching the third year of a tr- the trump presidency a couple of years into these tax cuts and and these rolling roll back of a lot of these burdensome regulations the economy should be taking off right now and i'm not just talking about the unemployment rate i'm talking about growth we should be growing Hand over fist. We should be 5, 6, 7, 8% growth. But we're not. We're nowhere near that. We are solidly under 3. We're down around 2% economic growth. That is pathetic given this historically low unemployment rate. Why? Well, one of the reasons is this massive debt that is weighing down this economy and will ultimately, in the long run, completely sink this economy. And devastate this society we are on the path towards a depression not a recession a depression that will make the Great Depression uh, look like romper room I don't know when that will happen what will precipitate it or how it will unfold what it'll look like but when you accumulate accumulate this kind of massive debt there's only one way this goes and that's eventual crash and there's no there's no country out there that's going to bail us out. So when we crash, we're going to crash hard. And and that's the, that's the direction we're going. And we're doing absolutely nothing to address that issue. In fact, that is getting worse by the day. We are now up over 1 trillion dollar deficits now. Obama era level spending. Right now, over a trillion dollars in fiscal year 2019. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the Ukraine and some stupid phone call that Trump had with the Ukrainian leader about Joe Biden and his corrupt son and all of this. Meanwhile, the country is continuing on the path towards destruction. Not just because of the debt, uh, but other reasons like, oh, let me see, uh, the illegal Alien invasion across our southern border, which continues to this day. I know we don't talk about it anymore uh, because we're approaching an election year and we can't bring that up because it's not good. So we got to pretend that we're winning there too because we've built 50 miles of border wall along a 2,000 mile border. Okay, so we're not winning there. Um, And by the way, even if we stopped all illegal immigration dead in its tracks right now, the damage is largely done. The results are now baked in the cake, as it were. We have so many illegal aliens, so many tens of millions of them in this country right now, that they are going to fundamentally transform our politics in the next 10 years. One, they will be voting illegally in our elections. Two, they're eventually going to get amnesty and citizenship. Eventually. Because we're not going to deport these people. You know we're not going to deport these people. Trump's not deporting these people. He's deporting fewer people than Barack Obama did. So he's not serious about deporting anyone. So what's going to happen with these tens and tens of millions of illegal aliens? They're, they're eventually going to get amnesty and citizenship. But even before we get there, and even without considering that, think of all the tens of millions of American citizen children that those illegal aliens are having on American soil now. Because we won't end birthright citizenship for illegal alien children either. We are now a year removed from Trump's promise to do exactly that. It was a year ago that he said he was going to end This practice of giving birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. Uh, Where is that executive order? Why are we still waiting for that? You know why? Because he has no intention of doing that. None. If he did, he would have done it by now. Okay, this is not rocket science. I can write this executive order for the president in 10 minutes. Okay, Um, the fact that it hasn't been done is evidence that it's not going to be done. So we have all these tens of millions of illegal aliens having tens upon tens of millions of illegal alien children who are American citizens now. Now, if you are an American citizen child born to illegal alien parents, how do you think you're going to vote? Yeah, that's a a no-brainer. You're voting for the Democrat Party. So places like Texas... Arizona, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, these states that I keep telling you about over and over, how they're on the verge of turning blue, well, they're all gone. They, they will soon be gone. Oh, Mark, you're so pessimistic. Well, you know what? Sometimes the truth is pretty damn pessimistic and the outlook pretty damn bleak. That's what we're looking at. So even if Trump snapped his fingers and put a border wall up uh, across the entire 2,000-mile border with Mexico and stopped all illegal immigration dead in its tracks today, uh, we're still screwed because we are going to lose all these states that I just mentioned. They're going to be a deep, dark blue within the next 10 years. And they're going to flip to the Democrats well before that. But within 10, 15 years, these states are going to be California in terms of their politics. They will be completely lost to the Republicans. You watch. You don't believe me? Fine. You know, I, at this point, I couldn't care less whether you believe me or not. And let me tell you about this podcast. I'm just going to tell you like it is. Period. I'm going to let the chips fall where, where they may. Um, I know a lot of you who are, happen upon this podcast, you know, you are just Trump cultists. And uh, this is going to make you very, very angry. Well, I don't care. You know, sooner or later, Trump is not going to be in office anymore. Whether that is in 2020, in January, after he was defeated for re-election and leaves, or whether it's uh, in January 2025, after he served out a second term, whatever. He's going to come and go. And we're going to be left with whatever we did or didn't do while he was president. And largely, this presidency is being defined by what it didn't do. We're not doing anything. Now, that's not all his fault. He can't pass laws, and we have a pathetic do-nothing Congress, and we have had a pathetic do-nothing Congress since he was elected, since he took office. We had two years with Republican control of both the House and the Senate and the White House. We should have been passing our agenda, period. We should have been ramming it through. As fast as we could. We should have repealed Obamacare. We should have fully funded a border wall. We should have changed our immigration laws to make it easier to deal with illegal aliens and deport them quick. We should have done all of this. We should have tightened our voter ID laws. We should have passed laws reining in the social media and uh, tech giants that suppress freedom of speech discriminate against American citizens based on their political views and use their power to to uh, influence election outcomes. We should have done that. We didn't do any of it. What did we do? We passed a tax cut. Well, I'm glad we got the tax cut. But that's about it. What else did we do? Oh, we moved the embassy in Jerusalem. We didn't do a hell of a lot besides that. Nothing... Significant. Nothing that's going to fundamentally improve the trajectory that this country is currently on. Nothing. August saw more illegal aliens apprehended at the border than in any August in the last 10 years. So don't tell me illegal immigration is getting better. It's not. And now this the, the you know, I'm so sick of this political soap opera. I'm sick of it. We don't discuss issues anywhere, including on talk radio. And I'm, I can't listen to any talk radio anymore. None. I can't listen. Well, whatever. I don't need to name any names. I can't listen to them. Maybe there's some local guys out there who are good that I'm not familiar with. But the big guys, I can't listen to a damn one of them. They're all the freaking same. They have completely sold out. The issues mean absolutely nothing to them. Just take the debt, for example. We just had a more than trillion dollar deficit in 2019. More than a trillion dollars. And not a freaking peep from these guys. Not a word. They were railing against Barack Obama... His entire time in office for his massive deficit spending. We are spending just as much. And not a peep. Not a peep. These people are a freaking joke. You, you hear them about illegal immigration? No, not really. And to the extent they talk about it at all, it's just how it's not Trump's fault. Oh, by the way, Trump did do something good here. It's come, um where was this article? Okay. Came out yesterday. DHS vows end to catch and release next week. Homeland Security will finally, now this is from the Washington Times, by the way, Homeland Security will finally end catch and release of Central American immigrant families caught crossing the border illegally, Acting Secretary Kevin McAleenan announced on Monday, saying the department has finally gotten a handle on the migrant surge that has sowed chaos at the border over the last year. McAleenan said families that attempt to claim asylum will usually be sent to wait in Mexico while their cases proceed in U.S. immigration courts. Those who don't attempt to claim asylum will be quickly returned to their home countries. Well, it's about freaking time that we end this ridiculous catch-and-release policy. Um, (laughs) And it's funny. For the last, oh, two and a half years, I have been urging... The Trump administration to do a hell of a lot more than they've been doing to address illegal immigration. I have been trying to rally voters, listeners, people who read me on social media, on my website and elsewhere, trying to rally them to put pressure on the administration to keep its campaign promises and to start deporting people and do all of these things that they could be doing, but that they are not. And... Almost universally, I was attacked by people on our side. Saying that, what are you you saying Trump should be doing more for? He's doing everything he can. It's not his fault. It's the stupid Congress. Damn Republicans. It's those rhinos. So it's, it's Paul Ryan's fault. It's all the other rhinos. It's the Democrats. It's the courts, they would tell me. And how dare I even suggest that President Trump wasn't doing everything he could to address illegal immigration. One of the things I I was telling people that he could do, specifically, is to end this ridiculous catch and release policy. He could have done that on day one. And of course I was attacked. Oh, he can't do that. That's a federal law. That's the Flores settlement. He has no choice. Doesn't matter that I explained to them how they could just vitiate this Flores agreement. We didn't need to be following that stupid settlement. It wasn't even a you know, a, a court ruling. It was a settlement. It was an agreed settlement. We could have gotten out of that years ago. We could have ended that and end this practice of catch and release. And not only that, even under current catch and release policy, even if we chose to follow that, which apparently we've been doing for almost the last three years of the Trump administration when we shouldn't have been, we still have 20 days. There's no reason that we can't have these hearings within 20 days. Because you don't even have to get in front of a judge. You don't even have to get in front of uh, an administrative law judge, let alone an Article 3 judge. Now, if I've lost any people there, an administrative law judge, these are these immigration judges. They're not really judges in terms of they're not part of the judicial branch. They're part of the executive branch. So they, they don't need... Uh, Senate confirmation, nominations from the president. They're not really judges in the way we normally think about judges. They're administrative law judges. That's what immigration judges are. They're not even Article 3 judges, which are district court and circuit court judges. Okay, So they don't, they don't, they don't have a right to a hearing in front of an Article 3 judge. They don't even have a right to a hearing uh, in front of uh, an administrative law judge for most of these claims. These claims of asylum can be heard by immigration officers and an initial determination made right there on the spot. There's no reason that most of these claims could not be adjudicated, dismissed, and, and these people kicked the hell out within 20 days. We shouldn't even, this 20 day maximum period under this florist agreement that we can hold these people, it shouldn't even be an issue. These things should be settled well before them. But no. We don't even make an attempt. For the last three years, we just catch them, we release them by the hundreds of thousands. Well, finally, we're putting an end to that. And funny how Trump is able to put an end to that. Because for two and a half years, I've been attacked on social media for suggesting that he could do that. He can't do that. How dare you suggest he could do that? What are you? Ju- You're fake MAGA. You just hate Trump. Well, look at that. Looks like old Mark was right again, as freaking usual, like there was any question about whether or not I was right. Of course, he could have ended this catch and release program, he could have ended it on day freaking one. And there's a lot more that he could have done and could be doing right now that we're not doing. Chief among them is issuing that damn executive order that he promised a year ago on birthright citizenship. Talk about a magnet for illegal immigration. All you got to do is get to America, pop out a kid, and your kid is an American citizen. And once you have a kid who's an American citizen, on America's, are we going to deport you? Of course not. So we got all these, all these uh, Mexicans and, and Central Americans getting themselves knocked up, waiting until a week before they're supposed to pop out that kid, then they run across the border, pop out the kid, now the kid's an American citizen, now they're all home free. All because of this ridiculous practice of giving birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens, a practice which we can end at any time, a practice which the president promised a year ago to end by executive order. Oh, but Mark, but Mark, um, uh, 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 we need a law. An executive order is not good enough. We need a law. So, So Trump is good not to do that. God, these people, I swear. Yeah, uh, the best thing would be to pass a law to that effect, right? That, no question, that would be the best thing. But Congress isn't going to pass that law, not right now. So in the meantime, while we're hopefully going to elect a Congress that will eventually do that, we have to deal with what we can do right now. And what we could do right now is issue an executive order. And if we did, then we can stop all these kids from being born to illegal aliens on our soil and giving them American citizenship. Think of all the millions of kids born to illegal alien parents who won't get citizenship automatically if we issue such an executive order. So you do this, you stop it right now, you wait till you can get a decent Congress in there, and then get the law. But in the meantime, you do what you can do. What we can do is an executive order. Because it's not a change to the law. It's just an order to the federal government how we interpret existing law. And that's perfectly within the purview of the President of the United States to do by executive order. I'm not going to get into executive orders right now, but there's so much misinformation about what an executive order is. It's not legislation. It's not something that can take the place of legislation. But this would not be overriding any legislation because there is no legislation. There's no law that gives citizenship to the children of illegal aliens born on American soil. There is no such law. The Constitution doesn't do it either. This is just a bureaucratic practice that we engage in. And that is something that is perfectly fine to be ended by executive order we don't do that so these are all the things or not all the things these are a few of the things that we don't talk about on the right the group thinking right especially in social media and uh, i mean especially in talk radio now we're supposed to be talking about um you know turning the tables on this uh ukrainian whatever it's really Joe Biden. He's the one. Whatever. Yes, Joe Biden is corrupt. Yes, this is a whole, all hypocritical. I don't care. You know, he, here's the deal about this impeachment stuff. It's probably going nowhere on, the, on this, these whistleblower claims about Trump having a conversation with the Ukrainian leader. It's probably going nowhere. If it does go somewhere, then I'll start talking about it. If there really is a serious push for impeachment, then I'll deal with that. But right now, it's just the same crap that's been going on for two and a half years. Every week, there's something new that we're supposed to be outraged about regarding Trump and why he needs to be impeached. It never goes anywhere because it's all bogus. So why are we wasting our time talking about it? Well, Mark, you gotta shoot this stuff down. Fine, we could shoot this down. ...without excluding conversations about everything else. I don't know about these other guys, but to me it seems possible to uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. We could talk about this stuff and also talk about other things. But I'm at the point where I'm not interested in talking about any of this impeachment crap at all. Because that's all we talk about. And I don't feel like I need to come here and talk to you about what you could hear anything and anywhere else. Anywhere. Literally anywhere. Go to any other talk radio guy, Fox News, anywhere else. You can hear basically nothing besides this impeachment crap over this Ukrainian story, uh, Ukrainian story. That's all they're talking about now. And before then, it was something else. Before then, it was something else. But never is it anything important. It's always the political freaking soap opera all the time. Meanwhile, we're losing the damn country and nobody even notices. You know when they're going to notice? They're going to notice in 2020 or 2024. That's when they're going to notice. Because all these things we've been ignoring for the last three years and really long before then. But what pisses me off about the last three years is we had an opportunity to do something about it. There was no opportunity to turn this around when, when we had Barack Obama in office. But we get Trump and both houses of Congress and we did nothing. Not a damn thing. That's what pisses me off. And so for the last nearly three years we've done absolutely nothing while these problems festered and got worse and soon they're going to come home to roost. And all these people who are asleep who paid not a scintilla's worth of attention to any of these issues are going to have a slap in the face. Reality is going to slap them right in the face, going to punch them right in the nose. When they realize, holy shit, the Democrats just won Texas. The Democrats just won Arizona. The Democrats just won Florida and North Carolina and Georgia. And when when the Democrats win those states, it's all over, guys. All over. Politically, we're done. Yeah, we'll still have people in Congress. We'll have some governorships. We'll still be able to complain on social media. You know, we'll have our congressmen in the minority complaining about how the Democrats are just rolling right over them, how they ended the filibuster rule in order to shove this down our throats and that down our throats. And how the Democrat president had just packed the courts, you know, all these things, you know, how they, how the Green New Deal that they just passed, costing us three trillion more dollars a year or whatever, how how terrible it is, all, all this stuff that we'll be complaining about. But that's all we'll be doing at that point is complaining, because we won't be able to do a damn thing about it, and we'll really complain when the Supreme Court overturns the Heller decision and issues a ruling that opens up, you know, that, that paves the way for the federal government to ban and confiscate nearly every firearm in the country, or really any firearm in the country. Because that's going to happen too. Once we lose Texas, Florida, Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina, that that's what's going to happen. Sooner or later, just a matter of time, the hard left will have a complete lock on the uh, Supreme Court Heller will be overturned. The second amendment will be reinterpreted to 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 not mean that you have an individual right to keep and bear arms. Only people serving actively, actively serving in a state regulated militia will have uh, a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. You won't you won't have any such right. And so if the Democrats and the who control Congress and the White House at that point want to pass a law to ban all firearms and to confiscate all firearms, then they're free to do that. That won't be a violation of the Second Amendment. So will say the Supreme Court. We'll really be complaining then, won't we? And we'll really look back at these, these three years when we did absolutely nothing, when we had Trump in the White House and both houses of Congress and we did absolutely nothing to secure our political future. Okay. What, the, the, the most important thing, bar none, you know, heads and tails above every other issue in terms of importance is illegal immigration. Illegal immigration is, is the thing that's going to destroy this country. It is what's going to give us a solid Democrat majority for generations to come. And you don't think that we could have a solid Democrat majority for generations? Then look at some of these cities and states that have been literally been controlled by Democrats for generations. Yeah, it can happen. And that's the way we're going. That's the way we're going. And it's all because of illegal immigration. And in my opinion, Trump's election was the last opportunity we had to do something about it before it's too late and at this point I think it's uh, probably too late just because of the the tens of millions that we have in this country the more than 2 million illegal aliens that have come in since Trump has been president you add that to the tens of millions that were already here you're going to flip those states and it's over but no, we're supposed to be talking about this, um, this impeachment crap. All right, let me talk about it a little bit, okay? Here's Nancy Pelosi. She, uh, apparently now, they're going to have a very, the Democrat caucus, that is, is going to have a very serious meeting at 4 o'clock today about impeachment. You know, Nancy Pelosi has been resistant to calls for impeachment by the crazies in her caucus. Because she looked at it and and thought, you know, this is a political loser. If we we impeach Trump, this is just going to benefit Trump politically. We're not going to be able to remove him from office. The Senate won't do that. So we will have impeached him. He won't be removed. We'll still be stuck with him. But then the country will likely rally behind the president. And he will be reelected. And he might even, you know, bring the House of Representatives along with him. So Nancy Pelosi politically has has been resistant to calls for impeachment, but now this new whistleblower allegation over this uh, Trump's phone call with the Ukrainian leader, you know this is this is reinvigorated the impeachment left, and so now they're going to have they're going to have a, a a meeting about here's here's a here's an article from what is this NPR I guess. Whatever. In an exclusive interview with NPR, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she has not... Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong damn article. That's the. I'm going to get to that one next. Okay, this is from the Daily Mail. Fresh calls for the impeachment of President Donald Trump will move a step closer on Tuesday as House Democrats head into a closed-door meeting with Speaker Nancy Pelosi at 4 o'clock. Democrats themselves remain divided on moving forward with an effort to impeach Trump. Pelosi has resisted calls for impeachment and is sticking with her position that Congress must not start formal proceedings unless the American public demands it. Trump has been defiant, openly acknowledging that during a July discussion with Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky, he raised the subject of whether former Vice President Joe Biden was at the root of any corruption. While he denies asking Zelensky... To investigate the man who is now his angriest Democrat rival, he told Reporters Monday at the United Nations that it would, quote, would probably, possibly have been okay if I did. But I didn't, he said. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, they're getting more serious about impeachment, apparently. Now, whether this is a, a sustained serious effort at impeachment, or whether this dies out after a couple days because they don't really have the goods on Trump, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I, mean, I don't have any inside information here about the substance of this telephone call. I, I know what you guys know, and right now it's not a whole lot. It's a, it's allegations, and that's it. Um, so this, is, like most of these other attempts at impeachment, it's probably going to go nowhere. But I will tell you this: this one has the possibility of being a little bit more of a serious threat. I mean, what were the other things? Oh, the Emoluments Clause, oh, that was a joke. Russia, that was a joke. Um, obstruction of justice, joke. The reason, first of all, the Emoluments Clause is just ridiculous on its face for anyone who knows anything about the Constitution. The Emoluments Clause, was not even remotely implicated in anything Trump did. So that's ridiculous. Now, Russia and obstruction, those stories were so convoluted. The fact pattern's so ridiculous that most people don't really have any idea what even happened. Now, in order to get the public behind impeachment, one, it has to sound really bad, and two, it needs to be relatively simple so the idiots that comprise most of the American public can follow what the hell the allegations even are. When it came to Russia and obstruction of justice, most people didn't even know what the hell the allegations even were. OK, so that it was going to be very difficult to gin up impeachment over such ridiculous fact patterns. So those really weren't. But this, this is a lot more simple and easier to understand. At the heart of the allegation is this. Now, I don't know any, if any of it's true. Right. Um, to what extent that it, any of it's true. Putting aside the legality of it. All right? Let's just talk about whether or not any of it's true. Here's here's what the allegation sounds like the facts may potentially bear out to be. Trump gets on the phone with the Ukrainian president. He tells him that uh, unless you investigate Joe Biden and his son Hunter, I'm not going to give you this foreign aid. Boom, that's it. Okay. Now, if that turns out to be true... That is a fact pattern that even morons can understand. And that doesn't sound very good. Now, putting the legality of it all aside doesn't sound very good if that's what, in fact, happened. Now, consider it this way. What if Barack Obama... And I'm not saying that any of this this stuff is true. I'm just talking about the hypothetical. And I'm telling you that it has the potential for being more serious with respect to impeachment than in any of of this other stuff. Imagine if Barack Obama got on the phone with a leader of a foreign country and said, Hey, I've got all this foreign aid that Congress passed, and it's supposed to be coming to you, but I'm not giving it to you unless you open up an investigation on my potential campaign opponent. This Mitt Romney guy looks like he might win the republican nomination here in 2012 and i want you to investigate him because i need to i need to beat this guy and unless you do i'm not giving you any of this foreign aid money imagine if obama did that these talk radio guys who are telling you right now that this is no big deal what well, we really should be looking at biden yeah we should be looking at biden but biden's a separate issue I don't like this. Well, they did it too, crap. Okay? We know that there's a double standard, okay? Biden should We've been we've talked about Biden on our side and Hillary and all this stuff for years. Okay, we all know it. And and I get it, the politics of it, you know, the whataboutism, I get it. But I'm just talking to you about the seriousness of these charges. If Obama had done what I just described, we'd be up in arms demanding his impeachment. So we shouldn't be surprised that the left is demanding Trump's impeachment over these allegations. Okay, Now, it doesn't matter if there was a crime committed here. Impeachment is ultimately about politics. And the politics of this sound pretty bad. Threatening to withhold foreign aid that the Congress has appropriated Threatening to withhold that unless the foreign government digs up dirt or goes, uh, starts an investigation of your potential political opponent. That's not good. Politically, that's not good. And it's easy for the Democrats to explain to the American people. And it sounds bad whether it's illegal or not. Now, I don't know if how much, if any of that is true, where this will go. I don't know. I'm just telling you it has the potential um to be a problem. Now, here's the flip side of that. These Democrats have been screaming for Trump's impeachment since before Trump even was sworn into office. Every day for nearly 3 years, it's been impeach Trump, impeach Trump, impeach Trump. Trump is Hitler, Trump's a dictator, Trump blah blah, it, every day. And so, I think a large segment of the American people have just tuned it all out. I mean, I don't even think they. Many people probably care at all. Now, if they hadn't gone crazy with the impeachment crap for the last three and a half years, and this stuff just this stuff about uh, Trump's conversation uh, with the Ukrainian president just came out, I think it would be far more damaging to the president than it is right now. I think people are just overloaded and tired of this crap. It's the boy who cried impeachment for three and a half years. Three years, two and a half, three years. That's all. All we've been hearing. And I think people will just tune it out. Oh, there they go again. They want to impeach him for something else. I mean, even if they don't like Trump, I think people are burnt out by all this impeachment crap. So that's probably the reason, the main reason why this isn't going to pick up any steam. People are just, just tune out these calls for impeachment. But here's the thing too. Here's the flip side. People are sick of it all, period. And while they might not want Trump impeached over any of this stuff that they're not even really paying attention to because it just sounds like background noise at this point. On the other hand, I think there's a real danger for Trump's re-election in that a lot of people are just sick and tired of this whole shit show. Because let's face it, while every single thing that the Democrats try against Trump is overblown and ridiculous... Trump usually has some fault somewhere in there. He usually, at the heart of it, is something Trump did or said that was stupid, right? Now, most of the time, it doesn't rise anywhere close to the level of impeachment or all the the things that the Democrats blow it up into being. But at the heart of it, it is Trump saying or doing something stupid, okay? Something that they claim was racist. Well, At the heart of some claim of Trump being racist is something stupid Trump said or tweeted. And like this. I don't know what the ultimate facts about his conversation with Ukraine will turn out to be. Whether anything illegal or or even improper uh, is at the heart of any of this. But I'm telling you right now uh, what Trump did was stupid. He shouldn't even been mentioning Joe Biden or Hunter Biden to the president of Ukraine. Even suggesting, even hinting. Okay, he, this is what we're being told. Well, it wasn't, it was not all that bad because, the, because Trump did not uh, condition granting the foreign aid on an investigation being conducted by Ukraine of, of Biden. Right? Okay, fine. He didn't, he didn't tie the money to it. He didn't say, I'm going to withhold this money unless you do this. Fine. He shouldn't even have brought Biden up. Even just hinting that a foreign government should investigate an American citizen, especially when that American citizen is your likely political opponent in 2020. That's just stupid. Especially after you've endured two and a half years of allegations that you colluded in a foreign government to try, with a foreign government to try to rig an election. Now you're going to do something that looks like you're colluding with a foreign government in order to rig an election? Okay, whether or not you technically did anything wrong, uh, that's just stupid. So like I'm saying, at the heart of most of these allegations about Trump that are Largely overblown. At the heart of them is something stupid that Trump did or said. And I think the American people are just sick of the shit show. Whether it's overblown or not. They see that, yeah, Democrats go crazy. They overblow it. But yeah, Trump is doing and saying stupid shit. And we're just sick of it. That is a serious problem for Trump in 2020. He's got other problems, namely the fact that he did not win big in 2016, contrary to popular opinion. And I've told you this over and over and over and over again. Trump did not win a landslide. His electoral college victory was much bigger than the closeness of the race really was. Okay. Because of the way the Electoral College works and you win a state by even one vote and you get all of that state's electoral votes. So it may, basically what happened is Trump ran the table. The, The Democrats start out with a huge advantage in the Electoral College. And the only way, as we sit here in 2019, for any Republican to win the presidency through the Electoral College, which is obviously the only way you can win, is to basically run the table. Because the Democrats start out with such an advantage, you must basically sweep all the battleground states. If you lose more than like two of them, you're done. Trump ran the table. And he won basically all of them. And the reason is because Hillary was a horrible candidate. The, the two main reasons were because Hillary is a horrible candidate. And the news media told us for two months leading up to the election that Trump was going to lose no matter what. So a lot of people stayed home. And if Trump didn't win three states, that he won by less than 1% of the vote, he would not be president. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. He won those by the skin of his teeth. And if he didn't, Hillary would have won. So that's a problem just starting out because the Democrats are not going to have that problem this time around. Now they may have a lousy candidate. I don't know. We'll see. Likely they will have a lousy candidate because of all of them in the race right now are lousy candidates. What they won't have as a problem is low motivation. The Democrat base is going to turn out no matter what, just because of Trump hatred. And it doesn't matter what the polls tell them either. They're not going to make that mistake again. Even if all the polls Say that Trump is gonna lose in a landslide no matter what. Democrats are still coming out to vote. They've been down that road before and they got burned. They're not gonna get burned again. They're coming out to vote. Increased turnout alone could cost Trump the election. But on top of that, you've got the possibility of people who are just sick of this shit show. And saying, just the hell with it. I don't like the Democrats, but I'm just I'm just sick of of this ridiculousness that's happened. I mean, for two and a half years, it's nothing but a circus. It's an endless parade of stupid Trump tweets and calls for impeachment. And I just, I don't, I, I check out. I, don't, I want nothing to do with it. I'm staying home. I don't care who wins. I wipe my hands of all of it. That, that I'm telling you, that's going to be the rationale of a lot of people. I don't know how many. I'm just telling you it's a problem you got to be concerned with. Beyond that, there's a problem with issues. okay? There are a lot of people who voted for Trump because of illegal immigration alone. It was his main issue. And if you want to say that it wasn't his main issue um, because you're just you know you're a Trump groupie and you're just covering for his failures on this issues, uh, this issue, you're lying to yourself. Far and away, it was his number one issue. And if he didn't run on that issue, He wouldn't have been elected president. A lot of people voted for him just because of that issue. And let's face it. On that issue, he's been a disaster. Oh, I know that now we're starting to do things just now. Like we're finally ending catch and release. After two and a half years, he could have done this on day one. But now after two and a half years, we're just starting to get get rid of the catch and release. And by the way, I'll believe that when I freaking see it. I don't believe it. I hope it's true, and I, I'm i open to the possibility that it's true, but here's what I also think. I wouldn't be surprised at all if I'm coming back here on this podcast in a month from now telling you how, yeah, we never really ended the catch-and-release program. There'll be stories out about how, eh, yeah, we're, we're still doing catch-and-release. Turns out that that claim that we were ending it, yeah, not really so true. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's the case. But beyond that, no executive order on birthright citizenship. Um, no real effort at building the wall. I get, oh yeah, I know. We're building it now. There's going to be 50 miles up pretty soon. The Secure Fence Act was passed in 2016. The law has been in place to build this wall. Not 2016, 2006. The law has been in place to build this wall for over a decade. What we haven't had is the funding. The second we secured any funding, we should have been building this wall. Now, we have funding. Not for the whole wall. And until we get the whole wall, the whole wall effort is a joke. Because people will just cross in areas where there's no wall. But, be that as it may. We've had wall funding, to some degree, for quite a while now. And we got some in some budget bills. And then we freed up like two and a half billion from the Pentagon budget back in February when Trump declared a national emergency. February. We are now in the end of September and we're just now really in earnest starting to build this wall. Uh, Why do we wait so damn long? Why are we just doing this now? Well, the answer is easy because we're approaching an election year. That's why. That's why politicians do a lot of things. All right, so when when you factor in those things, oh, and here's another one, gun control. You know, we were supposed to hear last week what Trump's proposal on gun control was going to be. That's what the administration said. You know, after these mass shootings... In Texas and Ohio, we were, you know, Trump Trump jumped all over the idea of more gun control. Uh, Universal background checks, which would basically ban private party sales and open the door for a gun registry. Uh, He jumped all over the red flag laws, which would basically gut the constitutional protections of due process. Jumped all over those things. Remember Parkland? Oh, uh, grab the guns first, go through due process second. So his instinct has always been to go for gun control. I don't buy for a second that, that Trump is a strong Second Amendment supporter. I think he knows that a large portion of his base are strong Second Amendment supporters, so he has always said uh, that he himself is a strong Second Amendment supporter, but his actions or his words following these mass shootings uh, indicate otherwise. And no, it's not forty chess. It's not playing some trick on the Democrats. This, I think, is where he really is on the issue. Okay, have you ever talk, heard Trump talk about the issue of guns? Have you ever heard him talk about guns or the Second Amendment in a way that indicates that he really understands the issue at all? No, you haven't. He's never he's never spoken about guns or the Second Amendment in any sort of in-depth manner that would convey to you that he actually knows a damn thing about any of these issues. All he has ever really said on the issue is, I will always support the Second Amendment. That's about it. That's about all you get. That's as deep as it goes. I don't think the man could carry on a conversation about the Second Amendment with you, and I don't think he has any uh, interest in doing so. I don't think he could tell you the first thing about firearms in any way. This is not something that's important to him. And if you you think otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. Now, is he going to go along with gun control? I don't know. He'd be foolish to, politically speaking, especially now. But I'm afraid of the second term, what he might be willing to sign on to. I mean, if he has said these things in the first term, when he won by a razor small margin... And his path to re-election is going to be tenuous at best. And he he reflexively goes to gun control rhetoric following a mass shooting. Uh, it, what, what's he going to do in a second term? I don't know. But, uh, you know, he was at the UN the other day. And he was talking to the New Zealand Prime Minister. And according to her, she, uh, quote, sensed an interest... From Trump in the idea of gun buybacks. Because, you know, New Zealand, in in the wake of a mass shooting out there, instituted a gun ban and a gun buyback program, which is a euphemism for gun confiscation. You know, you, you are forced by law to turn over your gun, and when you do, they'll give you a little bit of money. And so that allows them to call it a gun buyback program, as if they got their guns from the government in the first place. Well, whatever. Um, yeah, so gun, gun gun buyback is just gun confiscation. And according to this Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, uh, Trump apparently uh, was interested. had Was apparent, open, interested, I don't know. I don't know what he said. Doesn't really say. Um, but that's disconcerting. And by the way, thank you to Allison. And I'm not going to say your last name because I don't know if you'd want me to mention it. But Allison, you know who you are. Thank you for for um, sending this article my way. I had not seen it before you had sent it to me. But So that's concerning. Um, here's another one. You know, Trump sent William Barr up to Capitol Hill last week in order to try to convince uh, Republican senators to back some gun control bill that the president wants. Now, he hasn't come out publicly and said he wants it, but clearly he wants it if he's sending his attorney general up to Capitol Hill to lobby in favor of it. And basically, uh, I explained to you last time on the podcast, it is the Toomey-Mansion bill. Now, the Toomey-Mansion bill is a universal background check bill that was first proposed back in 2013 after the Sandy Hook shooting. And Barack Obama really wanted this thing because it, it closes the, quote, gun show loophole. Uh, what it essentially does is bans all private party sales. So if you want to uh, sell or just pass along your rifle or whatever other firearm to your son, to your friend, whatever, yeah, that that'll be illegal. You'll be a felon, and you could be arrested and, and sent to prison if you try to do that. So that's what would that's what the bill would do, and also it would obviously pave the way for a federal gun registration of all firearm owners and all their firearms. Because the only way to effectively implement a universal background check bill is by having a federal database, a federal registration process in which every gun owner in America is registered with the federal government and every single firearm that you own is registered with the federal government. It's the only way to implement it. Because we have to know who owns the guns, and exactly what guns are owned by whom in order to implement this law. It's the only way to do it. So apparently Trump is all in favor um, of that. Now, I don't expect this to go anywhere because according to several stories that I uh, have read, um, there was not much support among Republican senators for this bill. And I don't think Trump's going to stick his neck out politically if uh, he doesn't have the votes for it. But it should concern you greatly just the fact that he is behind this bill, and again, what does this mean for a second term? We don't know what the makeup of Congress is going to be in a second term. Uh, but if Trump is president, and of course a Democrat would, you know, be even worse. But we don't know what Trump would be willing to sign. Hell, he's he's already um, banned bump stocks by effectively executive order. Completely in violation of the Constitution, but I know we're not—we're not supposed to care about that. Why? Well, because who owns a bump stock? Anyone? Nobody. Nobody owns bump stocks, so we don't really care about that. And I guess we don't care about the Constitution either, because the only way to legally ban something like that is to pass a law through Congress. Eh, pfft. Constitution schmonstitution. Trump don't need no stinking Constitution. He just did it by executive order. You know, Barack Obama had considered banning bump stocks by executive order, but he didn't. You know why? Because he determined that it was unconstitutional and he had no authority to do it. This from a man who didn't mind violating the Constitution in myriad other ways. He thought this was a bridge too far. Not even Barack Obama would ban bump stocks by executive order, but Trump did. But we're supposed to believe that he's a strong Second Amendment supporter. And he's really into preserving and protecting and defending the Constitution of the United States. Have you ever heard him talk at length about the Constitution of the United States in any in-depth kind of a way? No, you haven't. No, you, you, you certainly haven't. Um, and I don't think that if you live to be 5,000 years old that you ever will. I don't think he's capable of it. I don't think he cares. I don't think he knows the first thing about the Constitution of the United States, and uh, nor does he care to. But I'm supposed to be very excited about all this winning because he, you know, slapped somebody on Twitter. Oh, yeah, the one I'm supposed to be real excited about today is is that he um, he trolled this, acti- this climate activist kid. What's her name? Greta Thunberg. This, you know, this. Yeah, whatever. She's a nut. I mean, we all know she's a nut. She's she's disturbed. There's something wrong with this child. Um, we know that she has uh, various mental conditions. Um, so I don't need to pile on about that. But she's 16. She's clearly disturbed. And um, Trump, you know, take took a, a, a an opportunity on Twitter to take a, a subtle swipe at her. And I'm supposed to be very very excited because that's another. You know, it's another uh, episode of winning. Putting down a 16-year-old on Twitter. Now, I'm all for it. Um, This woman, this girl is a nutcase. And if she is going to allow herself to be used so that the worldwide left can basically seize our liberties in this country, well, then she's made herself fair game for criticism. I'll criticize her myself. I got no problem with that. And I don't even have a problem with Trump doing it. But my problem is, this is the extent of our winning. I'm told all the time that we're winning so damn much, and I don't see any evidence of the winning other than, you know, owning the libs on Twitter. And this is this is the owning the libs on Twitter today that I'm supposed to be very, very excited about. Okay. What else do I have here? Oh, a uh, couple articles on politics. I told you, Trump's got problems. Nobody listens to me. That's okay. Um, I'm not making, I'm not doing this podcast to appeal to everybody. And, uh, eventually people are going to come to their senses. Um, it's going to be too late before they do probably, but, uh, whatever. Here is a Florida poll from Breitbart when this come out uh, a few days ago. Poll by uh, Florida Atlantic University. Basically, Trump is slightly ahead of most of his Democrat challengers. Slightly ahead, meaning one point or less. He's tied with Elizabeth Warren in the state of Florida. Now, again, a poll more than a year out from the election. Make of that what what you will. I will tell you this. Uh, If Trump loses Florida, he loses the election almost certainly. And uh, again, if Trump, Trump is going to have to pull off a miracle to get elected again. Um, He's going to have to run the table on all these battleground states. The chance of doing that again are slim. Of course, they were slim the first time and he did it. He could do it again, but it's difficult. It would have been nicer if um, instead of all the childish crap that we get, um, instead of a fo- focus on all the stupidity that we get, we actually got some real winning. You know, if we had maybe expanded our gun rights, you know, if maybe we enacted national concealed carry reciprocity, you know, so that you had the same constitutional rights, whether you were in Texas, Idaho, New York, Illinois, wherever you are. I mean, the Second Amendment is it, it protects the right to keep and bear arms in the entire country. But we don't have the same fundamental constitutional rights under the Second Amendment in Illinois as we do in Texas or some other red state. right? So it would be nice if we protected our Second Amendment rights. That's something we could have done. It would have been nice if we did something effective about illegal immigration up to this point. We've done nothing. Now we're just starting to in dribs and drabs. would have been nice if we had really went pedal to the metal, even without Congress, even given that Congress is a pathetic bunch of losers, even if Trump had to just do what he could on his own, he could have effectuated a massive change to how we deal with illegal immigration, and he didn't. If he had done that, we'd be in a lot better position. He would be in a lot better position for re-election in 2020 if he had done that. Uh, maybe if we didn't sign that massive uh, Obama... Um, Ob- <laughs> omnibus monstrosity uh, that he signed, we'd be a lot better off. you know, If we didn't give $500 million to Planned Parenthood, if we didn't balloon the federal deficit uh, to over a trillion dollars a year, I think we'd be a lot better off in 2020 than we currently are. But whatever. Uh, here's another one. This is from Politico. I know I'm not supposed to quote Politico because it's face, fake news. I'm only allowed to uh, discuss stories that appear in news outlets that we like. But here's the deal, folks. Um, I tell you, you've got, to, you've got to read news from all different sources. Now, there's a lot of fake news out there, and this could be fake news. I don't know. But what I can tell you is, while the left only covers stories from one angle, most of the, the news outlets on the right only cover news stories from one angle. So if you want to get the full perspective, you got to read left and right. Okay, And yes, you're going to be reading some fake news. I get it. But if all you do is stick with Fox News and Rush Limbaugh, uh, you're not getting the complete story because you're not hearing the flip side. Rush Limbaugh is never going to tell you uh, that Trump has problems in Michigan, which he does, and Pennsylvania, which he does, and Wisconsin, which he does, and Florida, and Georgia, and North Carolina, and all these other states... Rush Limbaugh is not going to tell you that. Rush Limbaugh is just going to tell you how Trump's going to win in a landslide because the Democrats are so crazy. Well, the Democrats are crazy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Trump is going to win in a landslide. So here's this article from Politico. Trump campaign pessimistic about winning Michigan again. Donald Trump has long heralded Michigan as the crown jewel of his 2016 victory. But the president's campaign team is increasingly grim about a repeat performance in the traditionally blue Rust Belt state. After a midterm election that decimated the ranks of Michigan Republicans, Trump's campaign is looking to other battlegrounds he lost last time, such as Minnesota and New Hampshire. Let me tell you, if you're pinning your hopes on New Hampshire, that's not good. This assessment illustrates how Trump's support in the Rust Belt states that propelled him to the presidency, has softened, jeopardizing his prospects for a second term. While they say it's too early to write off Michigan, Trump aides say the campaign still intends to pump resources into the state. A range of public polling has shown Trump in poor shape in the state. It'll be tough, said Greg uh, McNeely, a veteran GOP strategist in Michigan. Though the president overcame odds in 2016 winning the state by 10,000 votes or less than 1%, McNeely expects Democrat turnout to be much stronger in 2020. Trump is the underdog. All right, so you got a veteran G- GOP strategist in Michigan warning that Trump is should now be considered the political underdog, underdog to win that state. Uh Rush Limbaugh telling you that? Oh, of course Rush Limbaugh's not telling you that. Um, we're going to win in a landslide, right? Landslide. Well, you're not going to win in a landslide if you don't win Michigan. Uh, in fact, the chances of you winning period without Michigan are, are slim. But that's where we're at. Uh, and again, it's because the reasons I've been telling you right there in this story. It tells you what I've been telling you for months now. Trump won that state by less than 1%, largely due to the pathetic nature of the Hillary Clinton campaign, the low uh, enthusiasm for that pathetic loser, and the media convincing the entire country that Trump was going to lose in a landslide no matter what. So there was depressed Democrat turnout. That's not going to be the case this time. And even if Trump wins every single vote that he won in 2016... And that's all. If he just gets the exact same vote total, he's going to lose Michigan. He's going to lose Pennsylvania, and he's going to lose Wisconsin. Because he won each of those by less than 1%. And Democrat increased Democrat enthusiasm alone, with nothing else, will be enough to make up the difference this time. So even if Trump doesn't lose a single vote, wins every vote he won last time, he will still lose in 2020 he has to expand his base i ask you what has he done effectively to expand his base all you really can point to me to is the economy that's all you can point out to me now that is important that is good but that's all you can show me literally i ask people this all the time and the economy is the only thing anyone can ever say to me and i told you the economy is soft and there are indications that in 2020 we might be in recession or at least headed towards recession now that could be all wrong economy can turn around but the economy in terms of growth is extremely flat right now when you're under 3% growth with a with an historically low unemployment rate you you have an economy that has problems there are problems in this economy there's no other way to explain a pathetic growth rate with historically low unemployment. There are problems. And there are indications that especially in these Rust Belt states that Trump needs, that got him elected last time, there are problems in those economies in those states. There are warning signs. I don't know what we're going to be, what these states are going to look like in 2020, what the national economy is going to look like in 2020, but that's going to have a huge impact, especially when really, in terms of achievements, that is all that Trump is running on? If if the economy turns south, what is his argument for re-election? The Democrats are crazy? Well, yeah, that's compelling to some people. Is it going to be enough to put him back into the White House? I don't know. I tell you one thing, it would be a hell of a lot better if he was running on a, a substantive list of accomplishments especially if the economy turns sour in 2020, sure it'd be nice if there were a bunch of other serious accomplishments that Trump could point to as uh, as as reasons why he should be reelected. But I mean, I'm sure he's going to tell us how he's cracked down on illegal immigration, but rhetoric like that is going to ring hollow because we all know it's bullshit. Illegal immigration has gotten much much worse since Trump took office. So, yeah, that's why he's frantically now trying to build the border wall, so that he can run on that. Look, I built 200 miles of border wall. Yeah, th- that he can—he'll he'll be able to point to that if that's what happens. But you know, at that point, it may be too little, too late. Because we've seen for two and a half years, nothing's happened. Illegal immigration has gotten worse. Our cities have been uh, overrun by illegals for the last two and a half years. People have seen this. Our states are turning blue, so we've got we've got problems in 2020. But you wouldn't you wouldn't know that if um, if all you do is get your news from Fox News, um, Rush Limbaugh, and and the rest of the talk radio universe, because they don't tell you stuff like this. They just do the cheerleading. All they talk about all they talked about. For, for two and a half years, was Russia and Robert Mueller. Now that's over. Uh, all they're talking about is whatever the daily attack on Trump by the left is. Today, it's the Ukrainian whistleblower story. Tomorrow, it might be something else. But the Democrats will always, always be attacking Trump over something. And that's all talk radio will talk about. They'll tell you that the economy's great because we've got a low unemployment rate. They'll tell you how the Democrats are crazy because they want the Green New Deal. And they'll tell you how the media is biased against Trump. That's it. That's all we get. You know, there's a talk radio guy. He's one of the big ones out there. He was my favorite for a very long time. I can't listen to him anymore because all the man does is talk about the media now. That's it. Now, he had a book out about the media. So I cut him a, a large degree of slack. Because, okay, he has a book out about the media, so it's not surprising that he's going to talk about the media for, pff, I don't know, a couple weeks, month maybe, to, to sell his book and everything. I get it. I, I'm, I'm all for free market capitalism and all that. Uh, but it's been several months now, and that's all we talk about. And it's really all we talked about before. And this is a guy who used to be serious, He held both sides accountable. He was interested in issues. But clearly, um, it's obvious to anyone who listens to this person and has for a long time, it is obvious that he made a business decision, a business decision, a programming decision not to be serious about the issues, not to go anywhere near even any remote criticism of the president. And the truth of the matter is, you can't discuss issues like the debt issues like illegal immigration without criticizing Trump to some degree or another. You can't. Not if you're going to honestly discuss those issues. You can't. Because Trump is the president and he's the one signing these massive deficit spending bills. He's the one who signed the omnibus. He's the one who caved on the government shutdown. He's the one who signed a bill giving $500 million to Planned Parenthood a year. Right? He's the one. You cannot just put it all on Congress when he could veto these bills. And yes, there's plenty of room to criticize Congress. But you cannot have a serious conversation about any of these issues without at least being honest about what Trump has done and has not done. And it's it's obvious listening to this guy and it, it it's uh, you know it's very disappointing to me because he's very smart. he's great on on the issues if he wants to discuss them seriously, but he's, he's clearly made the decision not to go anywhere near discussing these issues in a serious way. And the reason is, is obvious and I, I know it I've experienced it firsthand in my little my little area of the world um, in terms of the you know my podcast and the writings I do on my website and social media and elsewhere. if you get anywhere near criticizing Trump, you get attacked. people don't listen, people don't follow you. Um but here's the deal. I don't have tens of millions of listeners. I don't have millions of dollars to lose by pissing off people. Um, and I can't be fake and if I have to if I have to build an audience by being fake, then um, then this isn't gonna work. And I'm just not gonna do it and um, I'll just I'll just I'll just give up on it. I don't need to do this. Um, right now, this is self-financed largely. Um, there are there are people who are helping, who are uh, subscribing on my various platforms um, and helping contribute financially to um, putting out this content. And I appreciate everyone who is doing that. And it means a lot. Uh, but largely, it's self-financed by me. Um, and so if this isn't going to work, then I'll just stop doing it. Uh, I don't wanna build something up if I have to do it by being fake and phony. And so I'm gonna give this a period of time to see if it works, but I I know, I mean, I've lost thousands upon thousands, I don't know how many, but it's many, many thousands, probably tens of thousands of followers on my various social media platforms, and it's not like I had millions of followers to begin with. Um, And I've lost tens of thousands, and I know I've lost listeners to this podcast. you know, when I just come on on the podcast and just rail against Democrats and make fun of them and and whatnot, uh, that has a much broader appeal to a much larger audience. I'm sure most of you who are listening who um, agree with me on my assessments of the Trump administration also approve of me when I attack Democrats, right? So that's not going to put you off. But for those who don't want to hear any criticism of Trump, they will just turn me out. Even though they will agree with me on a lot of the other stuff, they'll just not listen because they cannot tolerate any Trump criticism. And and the reason is because we no longer are a serious movement. This conservative movement so-called, what used to be a conservative movement, no longer is. It is now a cult of personality. It's all about Trump. That's all many people care about. They don't care about issues. The issues are secondary. They're largely irrelevant. They will, they will agree with, uh, oppose, believe in, whatever they need to in order to support Trump. So if Trump came out tomorrow and supported a complete ban on all semi-automatic firearms, uh, most of these people would support it. Even though if today a Democrat proposed it. You know, they could t- he could take Beto O'Rourke's O'Rourke, uh, Let me try that again. Beto O'Rourke's statements and just repeat them himself and uh, a majority of his supporters would support it. Now, they, they would attack Beto vociferously right now and they do. But if Trump said the exact same things, they would support it 100%. Not all of them. And if Trump did that now, he would lose re-election for sure. But you know, I'm not saying Trump would would go that far, but I'm just saying theoretically if he did, he wouldn't lose most of these people. And so uh, these are the people who read conservative media, who listen to conservative talk radio. Uh, I'm using air quotes when I say conservative because these largely are not conservative anymore. Really, I don't know what to call them. Um, sellout conservatives? Maybe that's what I should call them. Um, there's lots of names for them. I like sellout conservatives. I'll will I'll I'll think on that one. See how that strikes me. But for today, I'll call them sellout conservatives because that's what they are. Um, whenever Democrats are in office, they're all for conservatism. When a non-conservative Republican is in office, uh, like Trump, and don't don't kid yourself. Trump is not a conservative. He's nowhere near a conservative. He. He does some conservative things. He says some conservative things. But he's not a conservative. There's no set of conservative principles underlying anything that he does. There's no predicting what he will say or do on any given issue because there's no set of principles that informs his decision-making. You know, uh, you want to know where he's going to come out. You're probably best to just see whatever it is that Ivanka and Jared want. Because that's where he largely comes out on these issues. Uh, that and his pollsters. But I mean, you've you've never heard him talk about any of these principles, you know. Listen to a Trump campaign speech, and I and I don't get this. I'll be honest with you, I don't get it. People on our side love these Trump campaign rallies. Uh, to me, I'm embarrassed by them. I don't get it. It's just an hour and a half, two hours, feels like 15 hours of Trump reading off the teleprompter a line or two. And they're not even like good lines. They're, you know, and we will support our Second Amendment. And then he'll stop and then he'll ad lib. Got to support the Second Amendment. So important. So important. Democrats want to take your Second Amendment. We got to support it. Got to support the Second Amendment. Then I'll go back to reading the the teleprompter. The Second Amendment is important to our liberties. Liberties are so important. So important. That's what you get for about 15 hours. And then he'll, you know, he'll weave in his attacks on some Democrats and, you know, irrelevant people like AOC and all these losers. Um, but that's it. It's like three hours of that. Um, I, don't, I don't get the allure. I don't get what. Uh, yes, yeah, some of the stuff is funny. I do I do understand that, but I'm not I don't want a stand-up comedian for president. Now, if he is both good on the substance and the policy and he's a stand-up comedian, uh, yeah, I'll take that. That certainly makes it more interesting. So I'm not opposed to the jokes. But I'm not getting the policy. I'm getting, you know, stupid little canned applause lines. Uh, that he's been repeating for really like two years now. Uh, I mean, a, a Trump campaign rally. You listen to a Trump campaign rally today. It's the same as a Trump campaign rally a year and a half ago. The only difference is who he attacks. You know, whoever he's in a Twitter war with that week, that will those people will make their way into his speech, and he'll make fun of them. So that's the only way these these speeches really change. One speech to the next. Uh, but everything else is basically the same damn speech for the last three years. And I I, I don't watch them anymore because um, they're not serious. And I, I don't care about any of the soap opera. But here's the thing. Most people do. And Trump knows that. And th- it all works to his advantage. Because he can... Get away with not really doing anything on any of the issues as long as he serves up the red meat in terms of picking fights or getting into fights with the media. uh, Be clear, he doesn't pick all the fights. A lot of the times he's just defending himself and and fighting back, but a lot of times he does pick the fights, but it doesn't matter. He can distract everybody with these fights, and he, he goes on and on and on. Why do you think he goes on about how long did that? story. Remember um, when he was in that Twitter battle with the squad, Alexandria Estupida Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ikhlan Omar, and Iona Presley or whatever the hell her name is. Remember that? It went on for like, seemed like weeks. Over the same initial comment. The, you know, go back to where you came from. I know he didn't say that, but that's what it was portrayed as. The go back to where you came from comment. We heard about that Because Trump tweeted about it every day for like two or three weeks. Why? Because people on our side lap it up. And what's the benefit of that? Well, it keeps our side all excited, applauding Trump, and it keeps our attention off of the issues that he's doing absolutely nothing to address. It keeps us all um, diverted from the fact that the invasion across our southern border continues unabated. It keeps us all from noticing that we have a more than trillion dollar federal deficit this year. So this all plays into his hands. That's why he does it. And to that extent, all of this impeachment crap is beneficial to Trump. He doesn't mind it at all. Now, he doesn't like the accusations, I'm sure. But he knows impeachment isn't going to go anywhere. And it gives him more things to fight against and to keep us keep our attention focused elsewhere you don't think he didn't love the Mueller stuff in some in some respect of course he did of course he did it allowed him to do nothing for two and a half years and portray it as winning we don't hear about obamacare anymore we don't need to hear about obamacare anymore We can hear about uh, the climate activist kid that he walked past in the U.N. I mean, this is what suffices on our side. I mean, how many people uh, are going to talk about that? Oh, Trump walked right by that little 16-year-old and she was giving him this real scowl. She had this real scowl on her face, just glaring at Trump as he walked by. Oh, so much winning. Great. Some 16-year-old from Sweden... um, glares at Trump while he walks by and we, we get all excited about that. We don't care that Texas is about to turn blue and elect Democrats to the presidency for the next 50 years uninterrupted. But as long as some 16 year old Swedish climate activist doesn't like Trump, we're happy. And as long as Trump sends out a tweet kind of making fun of her, we're good. This is why I say it's a shit show. It's a shit show all the way around. The Democrats are a shit show. They have nothing to offer. All they want to do is talk about impeachment because they can't run on any of their issues because every one of their issues is extreme and out of touch with the American people. So all they want to talk about is Trump's racism, Trump's bigotry, Trump's corruption. We got to impeach Trump. Trump, 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 Trump. And our side does the exact same thing, but from a 180 degree different perspective. So from our side, it's, uh, you know, the Democrats are crazy and they just hate Trump. They hate Trump, but Trump's the greatest. Trump is so much winning. Trump is the only one fighting against the media. Trump, 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 Trump. What they're not talking about is how we're actually winning on any issues. Because we're not. And so we don't talk about that. We just talk about the soap opera. So it's the same, you know, it's it's the same thing just with different players, right? The players are whoever Trump is in a fight with that day. But it's the same, it's the same story for three, you know, two and a half, three years now. Um, It's a soap opera. That's the story. It's just an ongoing shit show soap opera. Meanwhile, the country's going down the drains Uh, Down the drain, but I'm supposed to come here and repeat to you what everybody else on every other conservative radio show or podcast is telling you that we're winning, that the Democrats are crazy, and that Trump is going to win by a landslide. Um, I'm disgusted with all of it. I don't care about any of it. I care about the future of the country and the fact that we're doing absolutely nothing to prevent what's coming. And what's coming is not good what's coming is eventual collapse what's coming is the democrats are going to have a lock on the presidency once they flip texas georgia arizona florida north carolina and they don't even have to flip all of them just a couple of them and because let me tell you we don't have michigan wisconsin and pennsylvania solidly on our side in fact i would be shocked if we win any of those in 2020 to be honest with you the one that i think we're most likely to win is wisconsin I think Michigan and Pennsylvania are probably gone. But whatever. We'll see. It's a long way off. But what I do know that between now and then, the shit show will continue. The soap opera will be all we talk about. You know, next week it'll probably be something else we need to impeach Trump for, but we're not going to be impeach Trump for. Look, we're not gonna impeach Trump. We're not. He's not gonna be impeached. But we're just gonna keep talking about it incessantly. Meanwhile, we do nothing. So, um, it sickens me. I'm done. Hope you all have an enjoyable rest of your day. I don't know when I'm going to do the podcast again. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe not till next week. I don't know. Um, When I have enough things I feel like talking about. Right now, I don't really feel like talking about much for a while because I'm just so damn disgusted. So, that's it. I'm out of here. Hope you all do well. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it. And remember, continue to fight the left and people on our own side who aren't serious because our freedom depends on it.